Welcome to Life from the Well. We're here to share our perspectives with stories from the service industry. I'm your bartender, Joey. And I'm your barback, Peter. I'll keep the ice full. This episode from Life from the Well is fueled by the great beer from Iron Horse Brewery. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Life from the Well, where the drinks are strong and the stories are swell. Today, we have a very special guest, a very special guest to me anyway, uh, all the way from PNW, from there to South Korea, to the Middle East and back again, and now he's all the way coming to us live from the East Coast, Jesse Hoffman. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Doing real good. Joey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. Welcome to the show. <laughs> um... <clears throat> Excuse me, that whiskey I did a second ago is like jostling in my belly. Um, so I usually try to start going right into the show here and we always forget the first shot. So let's do the first shot. So did Cheers, you, man. Do you have uh, yourself a shot, Jess? Jesse, you got your shot oh, poured. Yes. Clink. Clinky, clinky. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my computer's broken. <laughs> the screen's just cracked the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Hmm. Ah, delicious. Ah. It's different. <laughs> Just <kidding. laughs> oh, my whiskey was delicious. That was yours, Joey. Mm, tainted. <laughs> it's all that rabbit blood. Yeah. No, that was. I was actually. Um, I. It's because I was drinking other whiskey, and I'm gonna try this one. Oh, I'm gonna, try I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do like a little sippy of it. Yeah. Because I've. Uh, we're trying out some new whiskey. Sorry, guys. We'll get back on the show in a minute. Okay. In a minute here. Um. Okay. Jesse, welcome to the show. <laughs> um, so, guest resume time. Let's uh, let's get down to the dirt and and find out. I mean, why you're even here, right? This is a this is a podcast about stories, typically related to the service industry um, and our interactions with the people that come in. Uh, so, you have some service industry history. I know this because I saw your resume you filled out for us or your application. Um, so let's get into it. What was your first? Uh, what got you kind of into the industry in the very beginning? How did it all start? Yeah, my first ever step in the industry was as a um, food prep uh, cook, I guess you would call it, but basically just a food chopper mm -hmm. at a, um, a gourmet noodle restaurant called Noodles Gourmet Pasta. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, sorry, they weren't a restaurant. They were more a distributor. Uh, uh, they did have like a restaurant you could eat at, but nobody went there because it was in bad neighborhood. Sure. But they distributed all these uh, restaurants around Seattle. And so, um, yeah, it taught me all kinds of stuff on the back end, just how to burn through food prep and then, uh, you know, chopping peppers until they're burning through your gloves kind mm -hmm. of thing. Like nice you up eight times a day, just because all the acid off these bell peppers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how to make pasta, like it's just big bucket of eggs, big bucket of rice, put it in a machine and add some flavoring and then run it through this cutter and grab it off there. And then what the real part where it kind of touched the industry though, because that wasn't really FaceTime with the, the crowd. Mm -hmm. um, but we did these delivery runs to all these restaurants and that was dealing with the chefs and the cooks and the bartenders and the, the managers and mm -hmm. including the space table, we actually delivered pasta to them. Oh, nice. And uh, I like the a seafood ravioli or something we made. And so that's where, you know, I hang out with the people that were picking up or on their break or whatever and we shoot the breeze and just kind of, chat about the industry and that was the first taste I ever had and I always liked it. It was a relaxed way to just uh, hang out with people, I guess, during the work day. Nice. Jinx. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I owe you a Coke. <laughs> the staff was also about four high schoolers and then a whole crowd of Hispanics mm -hmm. that were just plugging away and we could not keep up with them. Like, holy crap. No <laughs> 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 chance. Yeah, a good buddy of mine, he just showed me like, no, no, you're cutting peppers all wrong. Like, here's, it takes you 30 seconds to cut one. It can take mm -hmm. you eight, you know? <laughs> just six slices <laughs> done. <laughs> That's why I always ask, uh, I always ask line cooks how to cut things whenever I'm like, first time I cut a mango, I was like, oh, shit. It's like, how do you do it? <laughs> you gotta have them like give you a little tutorial. Well, pineapples are always a pain in the ass. Well, pineapples are easy now. Well, yeah, so now you know what off, you do. Shave the outside. 
So the, uh, the pasta company ended when I um, I showed up one day and the doors were locked. Uh -huh. we were oh, shit. Sure. <laughs> we were That's... all just kind of standing around like, huh. <laughs> how, old are you, how old were you when this happened? I was back when I was 16. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it was down in Rainier Valley. Nice. I kind of, I think I remember that. Did you ever, uh, did you ever work down in the uh, Pike Place Market? No. Uh, I think I, I stood behind the counter once. Once. But that was, uh, Were you catching a fish? Yeah, with some friends. We used to have a friend that, uh, that worked down there and uh, hanging out there. One time was like, all right, somebody's running to the John, get back there. Serve <laughs> coffee only. <laughs> <laughs> so you went, from, you went from doing the pasta and then uh, showed up with the doors just locked and, and a big sign saying, fuck you guys. Uh, what, yeah. ha what happened after that? After that, it was several years, and then the next one I actually got was when I was 21. Um, uh, two guys from work uh, that I was doing at the time with the construction crew were doing security down in Pioneer Square, and they got me a gig at the same place, and it was uh, Tiki Bob's Cantina back in the day. Oh, I know Tiki Bob's. So, yeah. um, that was right across from where the uh, where, uh, where like, Quest Field is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think, what is it now, like the Lodge or something? I can't remember. I don't it's, it's, it's taken several into. different faces ever since then, but back then it was, it was a tiki bar. I think it was the lodge, but I didn't think Seattle. I think they like white polo shirts and stuff yeah. for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> what were you? Uh, what were you doing at at uh, Tiki Bob's? What was your position there at the time? Mm. Security. Security. So, um, oh no, man, you must have seen some Tiki shit. Tiki Bob's had a unique security force. Yeah. They pretty much would throw a t-shirt, a polo shirt, on anybody who was like, <laughs> yeah. Dub or any of the other colleges. Mm -hmm. It was about. Four of us that could actually handle something. Yeah. And then there was a bunch of, you know. A bunch of big guys that just like looked like security kind of, but didn't know how to actually be security. Yeah. And so uh, one of the one of the intense nights from down there was uh, there was like a college football team that was as a bachelor party. Like one guy was getting married and the whole team showed up. Mm -hmm. And they were they were doing the Pioneer Square tour. So they yeah. were already a wreck. Just, just they wrong. Got there and They were already a wreck. <laughs> the room finally got too handy with a girl, and we mm. made like uh, uh, one of the security guys tried to show up and handle him, and it was one of the earlier guys, and so he just like shoved him right in the face away. <laughs> well, the there's a much bigger guy that we worked with who was a real pro, a guy named Mitch, mm. and he saw that immediately just said Jesse arms, and we grabbed grabbed the guy by the arms and just walked him right out the front door. Nice, and that went pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. It didn't even start a riot inside where his 14 other like wedding mates were yeah. realized he got thrown out and they started pushing and then they just collectively decided to attack all the security staff. Oh, Jesus. We walked back in. The whole place is in an uproar and we both just started grabbing people and dragging them out. And it was just one after another, just whatever you got, if you had to wrap up their shoulders, if you had to wrap up their waist, whatever, just, just mm -hmm. drag them out the front door and get them outside. <laughs> and nobody else was hoping. It was two of us. Yeah. People <laughs> <laughs> on staff. Shit. It's like a wedding, wedding party nightmares, I feel like we yeah. get. That's like the first thing. Anybody who's ever worked security, I feel like, has has like a wedding party story. Yeah. Where they ended totally. up like, where like the wedding party just turned on security and it became like a free-for-all. It's, it's my wedding. Fuck I feel like, you. And then I feel like, I feel like both those times didn't end well for the wedding party. Yeah. It's kind of no. uh, yeah, something to be said for, for people that know how to handle a crowd. Moral of the story, if you're getting married <laughs> and you go out to a bar, be respectful. <laughs> Calm the fuck down. Yeah. Well, Don't go get your boys. The they, uh, so we got we got them out, a bunch of them outside. Mm -hmm. And then they just became a mob and they just started grabbing us and pulling us in the crowd. And mm. so like me and Mitch, who threw out 95% of the, the guys that were in this mob, yeah. Um, just latched onto us and pulled us like out into the street. Yeah, you're their targets now. They were drunk though, so they can't, they're not that coordinated. <laughs> 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 yeah, but you're getting slammed against a car and like, they're, they're football players. They keep tackling you. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they don't know what to do from that point on. Yeah. That was my move. <laughs> <laughs> so we just kept shoving our way through it. And then our, the head of security was a pretty responsible guy, but, but he was like, uh, he was, you know, re recovered from alcoholism and didn't touch a drop or anything like that. And mm. he was just straight as an arrow. And he was nowhere to be seen. <laughs> like, we're just getting the crap. We're just getting swept into the street through this place uh, with these guys. And they're, yeah, throws against a car. I remember right there. Somebody went to call the cops. Finally, he shows up. 
and starts macing everybody, including everybody. Mitch and my yeah, everybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> my face right in the eyes. Oh, yeah. And so it was like, thanks, bro. Just the whole place just fail. Like, I mean, technically, we got the problem out. Yeah, we got dealt with in the street. Uh, head of security mace his own guys. Like, just <laughs> wrecked. Oh man. Yeah, Mace is, uh, Mace is the whole crowd. Like, that's something <laughs> people that carry Mace should know. Is if you turn that thing on, if you push that little Mace button, if you're outside, it's everybody in front of you. If you're inside, it's, it's everybody. everybody. <laughs> it's you, too. Like, you're involved in this now, too, because you're in the same room that you just filled up with pepper spray. So. <laughs> like, why do my eyes hurt? <laughs> Mace, Mace lessons. Not the kind you swing, the kind you spray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mace. <laughs> So after after working a an illustrious uh, career at Tiki Bob's, where did uh, where did life take you after that? Yeah, the journey. So um, I had a, I only did Tiki Bob's on week, like a couple of nights a week. It was uh, to supplement my full time job, which was in construction. Mm -hmm. So after I got sick of it, it took about I don't know eighteen months. I I figured out I wasn't going to get on the surfing staff there. I kind of hung around more around bars where I was living uh, down in Tacoma mm -hmm. and I got picked up, uh, I don't know, five years later as part of a wait staff for a bar that was just opening called the Backstage Bar and Grill. And so it was just literally a friend of mine from the bar days in Pioneer Square hit me up and said like, hey, they're hiring. They need one dude on staff for the wait staff mm -hmm. and uh, you need to come down here and apply. Yeah. And I didn't put too much thought into the, why do they need one dude? Yeah. Okay. But, <laughs> one dude. I was like, oh, okay. I thought it was just something she was saying and she was she was dead serious. Just one dude so, to do it all? That's... Well, the backstage bar and grill was primarily like really, really good looking girls dressed <laughs> like me and they would dance as part of their, their routine with uh, hmm. waiting. Uh -huh. And so, they had to have one guy on that staff, and that was me. <laughs> so you were the, legally, uh, you were the equal opportunity hire. <laughs> legally, she had to have one male person on the staff, and you were it. That's funny. <laughs> right. I used to joke about trying to get that gig at Joey's because of my name. I'd be like, oh, I could be the only dude that works at Joey's, and that'd be fun because then it'd be like, it's my place, and my yeah. name's Joey. I work here. It's mine. But then, but then I was like, nah. <laughs> one of the best bartenders I knew from Pioneer Square, I asked him about it because he he, uh, he used to do a shift, I think on, I think his Saturday night shift was at one of the gay bars. I was uh, like, so, it makes him good money. What, uh, yeah. like, how are you with that? And he goes, love it. Mm -hmm. I put on tidy whities I make like 500 bucks tips. It's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's the guy's version of being a girl bartender yeah. like, is to go work yeah. at a gay bar. Every once in a while, my bar is right next to uh, what's on Fifth Avenue and the, the Pride Parade every year, every summer goes down Fourth Avenue. And so we get a big overflow of that. And it's always a big money day for sure. Nice. Yeah. Especially for JoJo. Yeah, we do. We he wear tank. He trims up and he like no, you know, wear, puts uh, on his muscle shirt and he's like, "What can I make for you today?" It's a tank top, is what I wear. Oh yeah, his his mesh tank top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all get into it. It's fun. The whole place. Everybody wears rainbows and skin tight clothes. And all right, yeah. what so, happened after that? Well, so yeah, I went for my job interview there, and the first thing they told me was how can, how well can you dance? It was like. It's a waiting job, right? Well, wait a minute. Like, What's that mean? Yeah. But if you want to wait here, you better be able to, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. Shake your booty. Rest in the air. Like, yeah. Okay. But yeah, it was it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, the girls are great. Awesome people to work with. Uh, I stayed in touch with them for a long time until I got married. So. What was key about that was it was the first one I really got behind the bar at. Mm -hmm. And... The way that was worked was I was in uh, community college classes at the time. I'd go in there my studying on the weekends just because it was dead. Mm. And, you know, it's a place out. designed for Friday, Saturday night. Sunday morning, the, the game might be on, but there's not a lot of people in there. Yeah. And uh, it kind of kept me around. And one day I walked in there, and it was had been open for two hours, and the, uh, the bartenders on shift hadn't showed up. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of customers, but there was like four. Yeah. So... I just went behind the bar. I had my serving card, of course. Uh -huh. I just started, say, cash only, you know, and started making them drinks. And about uh -huh. 20 minutes later, one of the managers came out from the back and was just dumbfounded. Look, 
came up and said, what the fuck are you doing back there? And I said, well, the guy's not here, man. And he's like, what, you mean he's in the bathroom? I'm like, no. <laughs> he's not here. He's still not here. <laughs> and he's, like, he's like, what? I was like, who opened the, the bar? And he's like, I did. We got two and a half hours ago. And I was like, right. So you opened the bar. These guys came in, just sat there. Luckily, they're all honest dudes, and they were just yeah. sitting here looking at your book. And so, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So he just... He's, he went around and asked all the customers, like, he make you the right drink, he make you the right drink, that kind of thing. And <laughs> Do like a check-in with everyone. I got a cash bag, and yeah. I was on shift. Nice. And uh, another hour after that, Training completed. showed up and just turned to me and said, what the fuck are you doing back there? <laughs> <laughs> the same exact words. Yeah. And he, uh, and he got all pissed off because I'd still on his shift or something, and I was like, you're three hours late, man. Bro, yeah. three hours this this bag of shit's on your shoulders, yeah, not you're, mine. <laughs> you're three hours late. That's like, at that point, I feel like we've just assumed that you're not showing up for the day. Yeah, too, like, three hours? Like you're, you're, you're already fired. Getting, what's that? If, you, if you're not getting fired, you're at least getting written up. So you might as well just enjoy the rest of the day off and be like, well, I fucked that one up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, call your boss and tell him, but. Yeah, I can't imagine going in three hours late, being like, and, oh. then, and then being pissed off at the person who was like saving your shift, <laughs> like, fuck you, Jesse, for saving the day. <laughs> so he got so he went to the manager and mm-hmm. tried to complain. That guy again called him after being three hours late. Mm-hmm. So we called the other manager because um, mm-hmm. they were they were manager owners. They shared the place together. Sure. And she showed up and she was a little hungover from the night before. <laughs> stormed in there, mascara's everywhere, and she just looks and goes. What the fuck are you doing back there? <laughs> <laughs> Number three. <laughs> yeah, three for three. And so uh, then the other manager caught her and, and ran some stuff down. She came back out and just like shaking her head, looking at me and said, like, well, now I have to put you on shift. So <laughs> congratulations. You did an excellent job. You saved my ass. Like you're good. You're going on shift. Nice. <laughs> uh, that's got me behind the bar down there. And it, it was, Thank you. Was, uh, I would be their swing guy if they had like a private party or something. They had the back bar up, or if it was a really busy night and they set up the back bar, I would jump back there. And it was, it was great, man. It was, right. Yeah, it was the best experience I had behind a bar uh, in the industry, and it uh, it ended far too quickly because I just got a job offer overseas and I couldn't turn it down. Sure. Shit. That's that's a fun story though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for from going uh, being a uh, dancer on the f- <laughs> on the floor to being a bartender in, in one night. <laughs> <laughs> a dancer. What the fuck? <sighs> I gotta know. I gotta know. Did you have to wear a special a special outfit when you were out there on the floor serving? I, they went with like a Patrick Swayze thing. I think they put me in a black T-shirt and jeans. Yeah. Because I, I remember no. back in the day, you were you were in a lot better physical shape than you are now, Dad. <laughs> Rude. I know. <laughs> I don't apologize. <laughs> you had your fun uh, stateside, and then you said you got a job working overseas. Now, I know that you had some fun behind the bar again when you were uh, elsewhere in the world. Please elaborate on those stories. Well, first, I went to a DOD base that was under General Order Number One. And for anybody that's unfamiliar with that one, it's a military standard that hits military um, contractors, pretty much anybody out there that's working that's an American. And it has the first big three things, you know, are no drugs, no alcohol, no sex. Like, what are they, Mormon? <laughs> Well, Mormons still have yeah, sex. They yeah, have sex I mean, with lots of people. They just got to be married to they them. They don't expect to force it 100%, but it just gives them the reason to, to get somebody when they do. And so yeah, I went to a true. super dry environment where it was just like, oh, there's nothing to do here for your off time except the gym. So get in shape. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then, Find something to obsess about. That's good. Grr. I'm into yeah. it. Yeah. So from there, I got another job offer that was almost the polar opposite you get in the same game. It was working in the green zone in Iraq, mm-hmm. and there's the different embassies all have different like bars that are somewhat nightclubish. Uh-huh. They've set up, and they, uh, yeah, it just going from everybody's in their camos all day to like women are wearing high heels and skirts again, yeah. and just 
it's, it's, it's a madhouse. Everybody's there anyway because there's been this war on. So, like, people's give a fuck levels kind of down. Sure. And it just, yeah, it just went into this giant, like, uh, barbecue party everywhere. There's just these barbecue pits going the whole time. Yeah. And these, yeah, the bars were great. You know, one of the one of the places had, like, uh, dancing cages. And it's a, it's a government office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I love that. I love that so much. That's great. I mean, everybody needs somewhere to decompress. And so it's cool to hear yeah. about the places that people who live in a little more higher stress environments get to get a chance to, you know, it's cool that you got to be there and kind of experience it too. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was a rare window where this kind of thing happened, it kind of expanded faster than it was ready for. And there was so much going on and, and uh, especially with all the attacks and everything that had happened there. Mm-hmm. People will just, they kind of got the red tape out of the way and just gave a crap about getting work done and everybody maintaining their sanity. Yeah. And so when I got there though, they didn't have a, a staff really for the bar. And what it was, was they would pop it up like different divisions that were working there could volunteer on different like uh, nights. And they only opened it for like three nights a week or four nights a week. Mm-hmm. So there's so many divisions, yours is going to come up in the rotation every once in a while. And it's just like, okay, let's go be volunteer bartenders. Yeah. And yeah. what blew me away about that was rolling in there and realizing like none of these people had any service interest experience. <laughs> they just wanted to hold the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to be in charge of the liquor. Give me, give me the liquor. I'm in charge of it. It's all for me. Yeah. yeah, they, you know, they ordered. I mean, one of the good things was they ordered, you know, uh, just tons of Maker's Mark, mm-hmm. which was great. And yeah. then like ten bottles of Jack Daniels for the month. What? Oh, okay. Like that's is that you know, like that seems kind of odd. And then it's like, yeah, but we're, we're we can't make a profit either. So the Maker's Mark is at cost like per shot. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like three bucks. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Sweet. <laughs> way better. This is a way, yeah. I don't care if you get Jack. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and little things just like uh, my first night on the rotation there, and and I asked, are we doing a drink special? And they're just, everyone's confused. Like, why why would we do a drink special? You know? It's like, we're, like, we're not, we don't know how to make these. And it's like, yeah, but. You can all collaborate and just just pick one drink, yeah, and everybody can know how to make it. And then everybody and can just order it. that drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. You can put it on a signboard, yeah. and the people that are indecisive don't have to decide. You can just point at it when they, they yeah, I want that one. What they want to drink? Give me that thing I've been drinking all night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, we don't want to mix. And it's like, we'll just make it tequila shots. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. Um, nobody thought to grab limes, so we, like we had to run to a dining facility and just grab like as many limes as we could, or whatever. Shirt, shirt load of limes. <laughs> yeah, get the limes, get the limes. <laughs> and then you know you'd be serving people, and it's it didn't really matter. They weren't again trying to make a profit. Mm-hmm. It was just for people to relax. And yeah, it's a wind down. It's not. You'd be like, budget. hey, you know, you know, I want this, and trying to press this girl. It's like, don't worry, I will hook you up. You yeah. Know? <laughs> monitoring you like to see how how heavy these shots are or anything like that yeah so it was it was a lot of fun that's, that sounds awesome <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun that's like working like an open bar at a wedding or a corporate yeah. event too kind of where they're like everything's free and you're yeah. just you're like yeah, i'm charging you guys but like for you it's free so don't worry about it and they're like whoa it's ba- yeah you're charging the the company by yeah. the bottle yeah, it's all paid for though. Like, so <laughs> it's all done. So all you got to do is just be like, just well, enjoy yourself. You don't have to. Here you, you to... go. <laughs> but then that's when that's when that's funny because like we at working at the hotel, we would get a lot of groups like that that would uh, they get on the corporate card or like money's not when when profit's not the reason for the alcohol or like people serving the alcohol. It's it really turns into a a party scene. I would always say that a lot of those corporate events would turn into like. High school keggers, free for all. Like the mentality was very, very similar. You know, I just be like, man, I remember when I was like 17, 16, you know, like some guy's house, and people were drinking at the same urgency as <laughs> like this corporate event when the boss has his card down. And everybody's like, oh, can we do keg stands? Like, I'm like, no, just order a beer. Like, we're not. Well, we had that. It's like, can I get a beer and like four shots? I'm like, start with a can shot. You get four and a shots beer. and a beer. Yeah. Start with a shot and a beer. <laughs> so dancer to bartender. Um, Having your having worked uh, multiple um, positions in, in this industry, well, what do you think? Uh, I mean, which one was your favorite? What, what, where did you settle in the most? And what bartending? 
it was way better. One, I like the part where it kind of reverses a lot of things where people are just coming to you mm-hmm. to, to engage in conversation um, all of a sudden. And it just, I think it's something everybody should experience just for that side of it. Just like, oh, like I have a little bit of control over this situation, mm-hmm. but I'm here to help you out and you're here to like have a good time. It's, it's a nice feeling to be able to contribute that. Nice. And, uh, and it was just a lot of fun. And you do have the extra barrier of the bar if somebody's being crazy, yeah. you know? Um, since he pulls out for a high heel and tries to jab it in the neck. Yeah, he's like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> grab my liquor bottle and <laughs> whack you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, finger off the, the stem of the glass. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> I used to call them, you know, Galliano, the, the long oh, yellow yeah. bottle. It's about, it's about that yeah. tall and it's like real thin. I used to call that the, the bartender bat because you could just reach and grab it on the counter and like you could reach out a good, you know, two feet fro- beyond your hand. It's a big fucking bottle. That reaches across the bar. It'll get him if it needs to. I never had to use it, but it was always a good threat. <laughs> One last note on the, the overseas bartending. Mm-hmm. What was eventually they did hire a staff that was all locals and they were, uh, <laughs> they were Muslim, right? Because mm-hmm. it's Iraq. Yeah. And they none of them drank. Or had really been around. I mean, it's not. It doesn't exist out there in uh, you know in the Middle East. It does in, in pockets, but not right really right there. And these are the these are the new bartenders. So they had they had staff making non-alcoholic cocktails. Yeah. They didn't really know how to mix anything, and it became like a couple of weeks of you go there, and it becomes like a, a, a live human version of the crane game, where you're like, yeah, I want to get the uh, you know the Blantons, and they're like, oh, okay. So the rumblements over here. Like, no, 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 left, 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 left. No, 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 no. Short little round bottle, horsey on top. <laughs> missed it. You didn't even grab the bottle. Like, yeah, grasp the air. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Yes, for a. That's fun. They had martinis one night, and they're like, "Oh yeah, so here we go." And they start grabbing the tequila, and they're like, "It's a martini." Yeah. Ah, uh, just Did salt the rim. He'll <laughs> be good. Losing tequila, no. <laughs> um, yeah, tequila might be like a year later. They got really good at it, mm-hmm. so it was kind of cool to see the development absolute, of it. Yeah, the part where I was actually a, like a mentor, showing people yeah. drawing diagrams on napkins to show them like how to how to spot uh, the right whiskeys and things like that, and how to mix them, and then showing them websites they could look up recipes on. Yeah. And a year later, they were they were good at it. That's nice. awesome. That's super fun. It's fun to see the growth in that too, and just how like the look at look at you spreading the cocktail culture over to Iraq. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so fun. Speaking of, of teaching people how to make cocktails and the cocktail culture and just cocktail the word in general, I believe looking at my watch that it's cocktail, cocktail time. time. <laughs> Um, <laughs> You're the worst. No, I said we're the worst. Um, so the history on the cocktail, because that's what we usually like to start with anyways, in cocktail time, is uh, one, of, one of the ones that, that uh, Jesse requested was the uh, was uh, Hunter S. Thompson's snow, uh, snow Cone. And uh, so if, you, if you're familiar with Hunter S. Thompson and what he's about, it's uh, lots of drugs and alcohol. I actually, I actually have a mag- I have a magnet on my fridge. Of course you would suggest Hunter S. Thompson. I have a magnet on my fridge that says, uh, I'd hate to advocate for uh, drugs, alcohol, insanity, or violence, but they've always worked for me. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a Hunter, that's a Hunter quote. Um, and so, uh, God, back in 1994, I guess, uh, E. Jean Carroll uh, wrote a book on Hunter and uh, uh, an excerpt from that book um, was was featured in a news article, uh, Day with Thompson, uh, Ch- uh, Day with Thompson, colon, Chivas, Dunhills, and Coke. You know what Dunhills are? They're cigarettes. So it's, uh, and Chivas is, uh, it's a blended scotch whiskey. It's not, it's not elegant, it's not no. fancy, but uh, it's, it's- And I sell a ton of it. But it's not bad. It's, I mean, it's like $40 a bottle, so it's not like garbage, but it's definitely, uh, I don't know. It's like Johnny Walker Black or or Doers or a lot of. It's one of those things that actually I've kind of seen phase out of bars over the last like decade. It's like the blended scotches or like just really like I don't know scotch in general. I feel like it, it has its spots, but um, 
It could be because I work in a tequila bar too. It's been for the last five years, and so I was like, "Oh, I never see it." But but I, I still feel like Shivas is. Um, it's while it's kind of a, an icon, an iconic uh, spirit. That it's it's also one that's not as prevalent as it was once was. Anyways, all that being said, um, there's this newspaper article um, where we go through a day in the life of Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> And it's it's just copium, copious amounts of whiskey, cigarettes, cocaine, and then more of those things with some food and a clove cigarette at the end at around noon. I'm no, look, that's around midnight. Sorry, I, it's clove I'm looking at the and, schedule and it's like cocaine, 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 and juice. That's just so. <laughs> now hold on, because that's just the four o'clock hour. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he wakes up at three p.m. Um, and then finishes his day at 8.20 in the morning. That's when he goes to sleep. And, and uh, Okay, for lunch, Heineken, two margaritas, two cheeseburgers, two orders of fries, a plate of tomatoes, coleslaw, a taco salad, a double order of onion rings, carrot cake, ice cream, bean fritter, Dunhills, those are cigarettes, another Heineken, cocaine, and for the ride home, a snow cone. So here's where the snow cone is mentioned. <laughs> Uh, and in parentheses here, our snow cone is a glass of shredded ice over which is poured three or four jiggers of chivas. So that's a lot of whiskey uh, and some ice. So our shredded ice, we're going to use a uh, crushed ice because I don't have an ice shredder. I have an ice crusher. Uh, so it's not going to look quite as cool as like a snow cone, like a, like a, like a shave ice, but, um, it, it should be similar effect and we'll, um, we're not gonna have three or four jiggers of shivas. Okay, thank you. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna put you through that, Pete. Maybe maybe one of these days we'll do like a Hunter S. Thompson episode and just dedicate a lot to Hunter and we'll do a bunch of cocaine and drink some whiskey. But ah, there until you go. then there you go. <laughs> until I then look, we'll I just look forward to that day. And we'll 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 just we'll just live his day. Holy shit. And then we'll all die the next day. Yeah. Um, I don't think I, my body could handle that. It's the same schedule. It started three into eight twenty in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, when I get divorced, I'll let you know and we can do that episode. <laughs> With all, <laughs> I had some friends that did this not long ago. They went, um, they did like a boys weekend and then like went and, uh, and got a cabin and then like worked and did like a, a hunter day. Cause there's also another, um, uh, there's a, Mm-mm. his breakfast is, is listed somewhere and his breakfast is like another ridiculous, like it's got a Bloody Mary, a margarita, you know, a side of bacon, prime rib ham, a, a whole grapefruit, you know, just, just, just a ton of stuff and it's great. Um, I, a restaurant actually in my company has an item on their late night menu called Hunter's Breakfast and it serves two. It's a platter of food and it comes with two cocktails and it's pretty awesome. Jesus. Uh, so yeah, that, I mean, I know. That, that guy's fascinating as fuck. 6 a, sorry, I'm just going to go back to the article real quick. 6 a.m. in the hot tub, champagne, Dove bars, fettuccine Alfredo. And the guy was skinny too. Yeah. The guy was not fat. That's this... the, that the cocaine, Peter. Yeah, Most no, of his I meals know. were. It's like he would binge. He would just binge on food and then go back to drugs. So. He did so much goddamn cocaine that his metabolism was like a nuclear power plant. And he died young. So yeah, well, he died duh. <laughs> well, not young, but he died. He died before he got old enough. <laughs> Jesus. So his funeral was insane too. If you guys haven't read up on that, like holy crap. Mm-hmm. You know, like, his what? His funeral? His oh. funeral? You got like fired, his remains fired out of a cannon, like <laughs> that shaped like a fist or something? Like it was. <laughs> that sounds, sounds very hunter y. During this pause, while Joey makes the cocktail, we are sipping on delicious beer from Iron Horse. If you want to watch Joey make the cocktail, head on over to YouTube, Life from the Well. Or you can find all of our videos on our website as well. And just a reminder, if you'd like to get your name out there or become a sponsor, go to our website and send us an email. Um, okay, so this cocktail, I wouldn't so much call it a cocktail, but uh, Hunter S. Thompson, rest in peace. Uh, this is probably a very delicious uh, libation uh, when you're coked out of your gourd. Uh, it's whiskey on the rocks, and so I mean it's good pretty much whenever you, want. <laughs> whenever you feel like whiskey on the rocks. Um, it's it's a it's an intense. I mean it's a shitty whiskey with crushed up ice, and so it's really think think whiskey on the rocks with some water added um, because the ice melts somewhat quickly at first, and then you get like a real cold, uh, a little bit watered down version of Chivas, which makes it honestly more drinkable. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit sweeter that way. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. uh, well, you know, it makes you adding water to it. You're you're diluting the, you're diluting the the 
the intensity, <laughs> I guess, that it is. I mean, it's, so you, it's you know, not bad. It's palatable. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I don't mind. Um, anyway, it's good to have to drink. Uh, so, tasty notes. Uh, those are our tasty notes. Have you had, you've had this before, obviously, right? So, you know. Yeah, um, after I read, I think, about it, I, I ordered it a couple times just uh, when, again, I didn't want to make a decision. It was like, yeah. Uh, just shredded, cr- yeah, crushed ice or whatever you got. Mm-hmm. Small ice and a bunch of Chivas. And yeah, it's a good holder. Good airport drink. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. I mean, Chivas on the rocks. I mean, just depends on the ice. It depends on the, the commitment of the bartender making the drink yeah. <laughs> and what kind of tools they have. Um, cool. So let's, uh, let's keep rolling forward in this fun little podcast of ours. Um, and then, then our next category, um, I have titled now, it's personal experiences. <laughs> and so, um, so here uh, I, li- I like to go into, you know, just, just some of your like maybe unique experiences you've had throughout, throughout the years. Um, one, of the th- one of my favorite things to talk about are my old regulars, you know, so in, in your time bartending, um, you know, were you, were you there, you know, long enough to develop some of the, some of the kind of the, the dailies or the regulars of just the guy did people come back and see you, you know, the, so, you know, honestly, I think a lot of the times it's part of why we do the job. It's just that connection. But one guy was a tattoo artist and just, uh, just cause I like talking about tattoos and like, uh, my brother has some pretty intricate ones and mm-hmm. remember what he has and what I have and just what some other people in the bar had. I mean, he had all the girls like around him when he was telling him they were tattoo artists and they were all figuring out how to, get like some little designers, things like that. Yeah. He got a lot of vision and it was just an interesting dude to talk to. He studied just mythical lore, whatever he could about where there was the designs that people made a connection with. And that was, uh, he was one of the favorites. Like he didn't, wasn't a heavy drinker. Mm-hmm. He just kind of showed up. Basically he looked for something to do between smoking cigarettes at night. Sure. And yeah. A little yeah, whiskey in between artist. cigarettes. He was a just chill guy to hang out with. Nice. <clears throat> The flip side of that coin, same place. This is both at the uh, backstage bar and grill down in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Was the worst guy I ever dealt with, who was the husband of somebody that worked there, mm-hmm. like one of the one of the <laughs> wait staff. Mm-hmm. Husband, uh, spouses. Sorry, I didn't mean to jump right on top of you. But go ahead. That's yeah. been that's been an experience in uh, personal experience, and then and then indirect experience. Yeah, you, God. You know, you really end up with some really interesting characters because I feel like a lot of people think that people go to the bar to fuck, like, like everybody, like, because that's what maybe what they do, you know. But like, <laughs> but it's like a lot. Some of us, a lot of us, go to the bar to make money. You know, yeah. it's it's not you know it's not a, anything other than a, a source of revenue, and and so you can you can it it can it can definitely arouse some jealousy in. Uh, and some people that weren't, I guess, necessarily expecting it. Anyways. Yeah, and this, the one that stuck out about this guy, like, I get it when they're not comfortable with their, their wife working there. He was almost the opposite. Like, he was trying to take advantage every step he could. Oh, the so other, yeah. He showed up and immediately started playing the My Wife Works Here card mm-hmm. with, like, one bartender and, you know, getting a, a shot or a beer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then getting as little money as possible, not tipping, you know, mm-hmm. and but just trying to hang out there he would stay until he got wrecked and he would get his wife to like get him shots you know or sure. things like that or get like people at the table to buy shots for him mm-hmm. and then when eventually he pissed off that bartender he would he would come back a different night when another one was working he'd find out what their shift schedule was yeah so he he, was, he had a problems and he was like methodical about it uh-huh. and it, it took about a week after the place opened and he was he was not allowed back already 86 like, <laughs> the whole staff and they were told him to stay out mm-hmm. well then he, like she didn't have a ride. He picked her up and dropped her off. And one of those nights, he didn't show up. And it's like, oh, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's not a good. It's not a great neighborhood. Uh, so I didn't live far away, but I just said like, hey, I, I'm not gonna like the whole place is shut down. I'm not gonna leave you out here. Like, come on, I'll be right home. Yeah. It's, I drove her back to her house. It was it was way out of the way, but it, it's not a big deal. Dropped her off. Went back home. The next Friday when I was working, uh, he showed up and was throwing a fit outside. Like, I got to try to pull something, right? Mm. And so I had to go out there and, and like, I didn't have to. I went out there yeah. and, you know, <laughs> trying to get in my face, like, where are you trying to pull? Da, 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 and I just, it went like, you know, brick pillars out front. I just kind of grabbed him by the shoulders and held him back against it and was like, 
you will never, ever meet your wife in a goddamn bar parking lot, you know, at three in the morning in this area or any area mm. ever again. Like, do you understand me? Like, like you will, you'll be here 20 minutes early and yeah. you will be cigarettes or something. I don't give a crap. If you ever show up drunk again, like, you know, like, is your goddamn, you know, you made the commitment here, not me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oof. I gave nice. chills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get your shit together and like, like send them on the way, mm-hmm. you know, or just don't show up, you know, or just leave town or something. Right. Yeah. So that was that was the least favorite. That's like, tough, was, man. Yeah. Where you gotta like, you got a parent. It was like a mostly up on the staff. Is it, it was like, yeah, it was all conflicted. Like, I don't know. Didn't mm-hmm. there was like a, a minute after that where she didn't like work with me because he just was all pissed off over it and, and just, oh he like, didn't want he didn't whatever. want her around you then. Right, yeah, yeah. He's trying to get her to quit. The dude didn't work. Yeah, he's like, assholes. This, this, this. It's kept the reality. It's like, yeah, she's the only one working, dude. Like, yeah. What it's like you're you're coming to her job trying to get hooked up for free, then you're yelling at her for yeah. fucking doing her goddamn job. Guy sounds like a real piece of work. <laughs> um, yeah, dragging her down. 100%. Yeah. That's rough though. I mean, like, if, you know, you see that shit working in this industry. I mean, that's just part, that's sadly part of it. Yeah. You know, part of it where, where, you know, you you can really only live your life, right? You, and, you know, you, you can try to impact people and be positive or negative influence based on what you feel like you want to put out there. But, um, yeah, it's, sometimes it's tough, you know, when, when you just see something like that, you're like, fuck, man. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that guy could spend a couple of nights homeless on the street. Like, not like a lifetime, but... About, about four days. Yeah. We put a lot of shit in perspective for him. Just, oh, yeah. Just enough, uh, enough to earn a little gratitude. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, oh, I have some things that are better than I could. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other parts was her husband was like, he had a tough construction job, you know, was working a million hours. Like I used to, I used to work and just actually with this job sometimes yeah mm-hmm. but and had every reason just to be like pissed off nicest dude you ever met like he the most supportive dude you ever met he showed up at the bar and he just kind of you know was like yeah i'm so-and-so's wife you know you give him a high five or whatever and he just stays out of the way maybe gets a drink or two mm-hmm. he doesn't drink much doesn't drink a lot yeah doesn't drink nothing like just kind of it was kind of there but background you know yeah. until until she wanted to go chat with him and just yeah. kind of let her work and that was like the best dude yeah you know that's honestly i will say this is this is a good teachable moment for like people in the industry in general i think like it's that whole don't shit where you eat kind of mentality of of Absolutely. you know i i don't go to my bar on my days off um mainly because i you know i don't want to be that guy too you know you, you act different when you're in a, in a comfortable environment and you're drinking alcohol, Yeah. right? And whether it's your bar, your spouse's bar, or like a bar that's affiliated with your company, you know, you're, you're in there like with a little bit more entitlement, whether you want to or not, I think you still have like it's something still in your head where I know people, I know people here, yeah. you know? I've yeah. got friends, uh, the bartender's my, my buddy Joey. Like, yeah, and I, I mean, I, it's... I I've, I've done it. I've walked totally. into your bar. And well, I've no, been, I mean, like, and I'm saying that's, that's, that's fine. That's fine, but like, I mean, it's just, it's another I level. Too. I still too. Well, it's another level of awareness too, right? And it's just, it's just right. knowing like, knowing that you are a little bit more on the spotlight than you normally are. You're not in a bar where you don't know anybody and you can't just sit in the corner and have, you know, four, four to 10 drinks and walk out, you know, cause you're interacting with people, you know, and people that are going to remember this in a few days and hold you accountable for shit that you're saying while you're getting drunk at a bar and, and, uh, you're literally connected to all kinds of other people that have other bars, mm-hmm. you know, like it's really easy to know other people in the life. Yeah. You can go almost anywhere else and get a homie hookup yeah. than your yeah. own bar. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't go to your own bar and do that. Go to yeah. a bar where some bartender that came in and saw you, you know, go to their bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let, let them take care of you. Like that time you took care of them. You know, exactly. that'll, that'll for sure happen. Don't yeah, worry about network. it. It's part, it's part of our culture that's bred into us, you know, to take care of each other. That's, that's, that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the, the service industry um, is a stressful industry, right? You know, we, we, we put up with a lot of kind of like high intense stress. Like, what's something that you might 
do for self-care, something you do to balance out that stress in life? <laughs> it's a weird mix of like, so I, I also have a pretty high stressful job now, but I figured mm -hmm. it out back in the bar days, especially with the, um, when I was actually bartending, was a weird mix of watching something I want to watch. And I try to make sure it's something new, right? Like a, a Netflix show or a movie or a documentary or something. But, but timing it also with like a workout, like some kind of anything physical, really. Mm -hmm. So you could do air squats in a, an empty room and just put on something and, and try and negotiate the two and just kind of stretching your mind a little bit in, in the two ways where you're focused on something physical and something else at mm -hmm. the same time. Totally. Uh, that really helped me decompress. A little physical exercise and a little mental escape. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, kind of teamed together. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, easy ones like, like, yeah, put on your favorite, put on a show. You, it works better if it's something you haven't seen before, but something you haven't seen, and then a, a, a treadmill or an elliptical machine or something. Because like you got to focus a little more on it and let go of stuff and just kind of get into the story. Allow yourself, right. allow yourself to live that fantasy for a little while, and then you let go of the stress of life for a little bit. Absolutely, that. like, like your bars. I mean, I consider them like a kind of a chaotic environment. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of people are. People are doing what they want to do, and they're adding elements that are going to degrade that over the course of the night. Mm -hmm. So, putting it kind of into um, into one a storyline that's that's not chaotic. It's it's got a point, even though if you can't see the point at the end, yeah. and then giving something to like really stress stress the body in some way uh, that really worked for me. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, I'm a physical exercise guy too. That's yeah. one thing. I mean, I, I got a pull up bar in in my bedroom doorway in between the bedroom and the living room, so that way like. When I'm watching something on TV, I can run over and do some pull-ups real quick, or you know, just work in little random. It's it's. I think a lot of it's when you're doing the physical exercise. At least it's trying to trying to work it into your functional life. You know, sometimes yeah. there's not always time to go to the gym. You know, take a take a whole hour or two out of your day to go do something. But if you can run over and do, you know, a, a, a set of ten pull-ups or some air squats or some push-ups or something like that, and at least you get the blood flowing in your body, you kind of get those endorphins firing off too. Yeah. Clears up your brain. You're just walking around a house for like YouTube video and like how to do a stalsa and just go back and forth or something mm -hmm. like that. It really any yeah. of it will work. Go yeah. go run a mile. Go do you know go go walk fast a mile. Get your heart rate up for a little bit. Do something. Do something to get your brain off of it. I like that, man. That's good. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> cool. Um, so next nextly, um, I want to go on to teachable moments. Um, it's our improve the industry segment of the show where we, instead of bitching about stuff that we hate about what other people do, we, we offer up helpful reminders of, of things that we could all do differently to make our lives better. Uh, so as far as service industry goes, how, how do you feel about that? Is it what, um, so in general, I mean, I think you guys covered this in previous episodes, but a lot of it I is, I love rehashing points. Bring it on. <laughs> Tell you anything else is, it's an industry. It's a career. Um, if you want to make it one, mm -hmm. so at some point, pull up your bootstraps, you know, and treat it like a job. And yeah. it actually, if you do that, it tends to work out a lot better. Like yeah. you tend to, in my my opinion, you get more tips. Uh, my experience, you get more tips when you're sitting there and you're just like, yeah, it's just something I'm pulling down between other stuff. It, it bleeds out of you into where the crowd around you, and it, it kills their enthusiasm. So. Sure. Being, being that you're somewhere you want to be and like doing a job you want to do is infectious and it, it really it really pans out to the, the crowd that's around you. Yeah. And so that's, I think you guys covered that before. Um, one of the things I picked up by interviewing bartenders uh, from New York was mm. all of us seem to have the same, if, if you like took all the detail, the main the minor details out of it, the, same, the basic details are the same for how we all got into the bar industry. And that was, we were all literally somebody there at the time when an owner or a manager needed a bartender. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, it's fucking so, true. Yeah, we're, we were we were we were available and we were ready. ready. In Pioneer Square was one of the bartenders was just he literally was a college student with no plan and just showed up at this bar every day until he was out of money. Mm -hmm. And then the the manager was like, "God damn it, fine, I'll give you a job." Yeah, and uh, <laughs> one of those girls from she. You ordered drinks she couldn't afford, and when they came to get the bill, she broke down in tears and explained her situation. And the manager was like, "All right, fine, come back tomorrow. Like I have nobody on shift. Like you, come in. Yeah, you, you, know, like, <laughs> you don't have a job. I need someone to work. Guess what? Yeah, I, you get a job. Yeah. 
Yeah. I showed up on a Sunday when somebody else didn't show up and I was just generally handy. Like, you know, I helped them fix a roof leak and things mm -hmm. like that yeah. just by being around. And so it's, it's honestly like if you, if you have a goal in life to be a bartender, I would say show up somewhere every day between like when they open or like 10 AM until like 3 PM and mm -hmm. just be around and get to know the people that run the place. Yeah. And you probably got a decent shot. It's for sure. 100% of people industry. If you show that you have people's skills, we'll teach you how to make drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. The next segment, Secrets of the Industry. <laughs> uh, so this is our, it's the recommendations, like uh, stuff you've learned along the way that, that's like kind of like a little wink, wink, you know, like, you, like, like, honestly, like, get, like, like you said earlier, go into it. If you want to get a job in the industry, you go sit down and get to know the people. That's a really good secret of the industry. Um, it is. Like, yeah. It really is. I mean, that's. Recognition. Um, the guy in the profile, man, what's his name? From the whiskey trader, he was the bar back there. Mm -hmm. And they just, they got, he'd been there for a year or something like that. They got a bar opening, a bartender position open. And the manager sat him down and said, like, look, I know you know what you're doing. Uh, why would I hire somebody from the outside when you can do it for me? You mm -hmm. know? Like, I can find another bar back. You're, you're good with people. You're yeah. good with the crew. Like, I'd rather have you on board mm -hmm. just because yeah. you're my guy. Well, so as, as, a, as a bartender, I mean, it works, yeah. as a bartender, you got to make a personal impression and, and, you know, do it well. For sure. For sure. I mean, you're, you're really kind of working as part of a, a team or a family, you know, when you're working in a restaurant. And so that's, that's, yeah. that's the biggest part is finding someone that's going to fit into that yeah. crew, uh, that, that, that ragtag crew of, of miscreants, you know, that, that every restaurant has, you know, where it's, there's just, there's just a bunch of people that, that we all have our own little issues, but for some reason we get along and, and we can hug each other when we see each other and, and, and get through crazy busy nights together. And so, you, you know, in, in hiring, you don't just want to hire somebody that knows how to make drinks. You want to find somebody that's going to fit in with that culture, right? Yeah. I think honestly, I think bartending school is something that should be considered like continued education for yeah. people. Like after they're already a bartender where they go and they can learn to make the drinks. But I think there's a step before that about like just just the personality of it all, you know. No, there's the, you make a really valid point where it's like you can go to school and you can learn all these things, but that doesn't make you a bartender. You can't that just because you know how to make you know you know, you know that it's it's one ounce of this and two ounces of that and shake and and then you pour it into a proper you know which which glass to pour it into, but can you do that under a stressful environment? Can mm -hmm. you do that uh, when people are fucking with you? Yeah. Can you can you hear eighteen different people ordering drinks and do you know which one was first? <laughs> you know this this is experience. Do you know which one was first? This one over here. The one you make. And then that one over there. No, it's the one you make. Oh yeah. That, well. That's the one that was first. And if they say, "Yeah, I was first. Yeah, no, it's not. No, you weren't. This is the one that was first. This one. This first. is the one I made. So you know." I can yeah. make you next, or I can make you in five people. Which one do you want to be? Yeah, <laughs> but it's also, be nice to me. <laughs> it, you know, it, but it, there's that's the point. It's like you know, it's like you know, uh, I I I learned uh, again. Joey taught me how to be a proper bartender. I I started <laughs> learning how to be a bartender before he, I met him, but. You know, Joey came in, like, the woman who was teaching me how to be a bartender, she didn't drink. She barely worked at the bar. And I drink. And Joey drinks, and I drink. And so it's like, okay, yeah, I'll learn. So Joey's teaching me how to be a bartender, but, like, he can't teach me to go, okay, you hear this person over here, that person just walked in, which one are you going to, which one are you going to help first? You know, it's like... No, this person has been here for an hour and they've been waiting for their drink. These four fuckers over here, they just got here and they're yelling, but they're louder than this other person over here. Which one are you going to serve first? I got I got a trickier scenario for you. You got the person sitting there that's been there for an hour. <clears throat> and then you got someone who just sat down. They've just ordered their second drink, or third drink probably. They've ordered their first drink and you got a printer coming up with tickets for the dining room. You know, who do you make first? Who do you there? make first? Do you know who I make first? The orders? Yeah. I so I Do you make the do you make the tickets or do you make the, the bar? I acknowledge the person that sat down, I give them a water and a menu. I go over, I make my regulars drink. I check back with them. If they're ready right now, I make their drink, and then I make the ticket. 
I always take care of the people in front of me before I take care of the tickets. Because if they're sitting there watching me hustle with nothing, then I just look like I can't move fast enough. Yeah. If they're sitting there with a drink in front of them at least, then they've been acknowledged and they know it's they know that I'm gonna get to them because I've already gotten to them and then we'll get back to it. But you always wanna take care of the people that can see you working immediately because they, that just controls how they see you, right? Yeah. You know, they either see you scrambling or they see you on top of your shit. Now you know, that, you're moving fast in both t- both directions. Yeah. It's a matter of if you've given them what they need, too. And they're tipping me. Yeah, now that is a <laughs> damn good teachable moment, so. Yeah. I forgot how powerful water is as a tool. Water's a, water is an acknowledgement. You know. A cup of water mm-hmm. just to hold somebody over for a couple of minutes, yeah. it's amazing. A water, a water, a water in a menu is acknowledging somebody, you know, and, and so somebody's sitting there and you give and you know and you give them a menu, then they're like, yeah, yeah, but give them a menu and a water, then they have something to do a little bit, you know, and a little bit of time to. If they try to order with me right away, sometimes you know, if, if it's just a quick drink, they're like, oh, I just want a drink. I'd be like, cool. What do you want? And then you get that and you get that right away. So that's so that's why I go to them for before the ticket because they just might want a beer. Yeah, I can get that guy a beer right now or a shot. Or you know, or a shot or whatever. Boom, there you go. Boom, 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 and then and then you move on to your tickets, and there and then you come and then you make your ticket, and then you come back and say, "Hey man, you wanting something to eat now?" Yeah. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I'm hungry." But <laughs> it's all. I mean, a big part of it is just and, learning and, how to prioritize your time. Well, I don't want another shot of whiskey. I've, I poured another shot of whiskey into my ice. So sorry, I'm deviating from the last call shot today, you guys. My last call shot is on the rocks because I just had so much ice left from my snow cone. That I think that's actually one of the things that Hunter mentions in the article is um, once <laughs> once your once your shivis is down there, you add a little more you add a little more uh, whiskey to your ice to until you finish the ice off because you don't want to leave ice in a glass. That's just wasteful. No. Well, also, I mean, especially back in the day, it was considered wasteful because ice was uh, up until what like fifty years ago or so was kind of, I don't know, fifty probably more than probably like seventy years. Ice was a, a rarity in the bar. Like it was, it was something of the of the upper class, you know, for someone to go get an ice chunk and then they chisel off a piece of the chunk and make that part of the cocktail. We, we haven't always had electricity, guys, but we do now. <laughs> Thank the maker. Jesse, you got a shot, and not his mark. Um, yeah, it is last call time. You got your uh, alcohol in your glass, my friend. All right, one, one for the record books. Last call. Clink. Cheers, bro. Cheers, brother. Mm. Oh yeah, one for one for the bartender. Always forget about me. All right, guys. We've had our drinks. We shared our stories. Uh, that was last call. We had our shots. Jesse, now it's your shot. <laughs> you know, Peter likes my play on words. I um, it's your shot to talk about uh, anything that you want. Like this is your time to shine. If you want, if you want to draw attention to uh, anything specific yourself or something else, uh, do some shout outs, man. What you got? What's up, dog? Well, I'm I'm out of the industry for the most part these days, other than just interviewing some bartenders for y'all. Mm-hmm. But um, we appreciate. But I will give a shout out to is here in Virginia, Mustang Sally's Brewery. It's an amazing place. They come out with great craft brews like every month nice. and do a release party and they're all over the area. They're awesome. If you guys are in the area, it's uh, over in Chantilly and they're phenomenal. Mustang Sally's? Um, Mustang Sally's. All right. Uh, all right. Down in Poma, there's a spot called the Airport Tavern. It's a dive bar. It's true to its name and it uh, it is pretty damn like good dirty time. So, <laughs> I love a good dive bar. Um, they, good service. Cheap drinks, that kind of thing. A little rowdy dive bar down there in Southern Tacoma, yeah, near 56th Street. Nice. Good spot. And then um, the uh, old bar manager that gave me the first shot I ever had at bartending, uh, Joy, mm-hmm. she's down in uh, Henderson, Nevada right now, a place called the Rusty Putter. And the one thing I'll say about this, like, Joy, if she's there, they've got good live music. Like nice. that, she was so ingrained with bands, they mm-hmm. flocked to wherever she was at because awesome. they knew it was a good time and she would get a good crap. She's so got the connects. If you're in Henderson, or even if you're in Vegas and you want to get out of Vegas for a minute, uh, yeah, man. The Rusty Putter, uh, they'll have good live music. Awesome. awesome. Very cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, this has been a lot of fun, and, and I'm really excited about uh, the, these video ones that we're doing because it just expands our ability to 
connect with people. So uh, yeah. this has been really great. And I, I love that you're wearing a Mariners hat. Just, <laughs> they're, they're, they're not a good team, but they're our team. <laughs> Watch a lot of Mariners. Yeah. It's growing up in Seattle, bro. That wraps up One More Life from the Well. Thank you to all of our listeners for listening. That's what you do. That's what you're called. That's what you do. Way to live up to your fullest potential. Um, thank you, Jesse, for coming on. Uh, thanks for making time for us. Uh, this has been awesome. You're part of the Life from the Well family now, so welcome. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a crusty bunch, but we we're full of love and we have lots of booze. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you to the giant for interrupting me every five seconds, and thank you for the That's den mother. Thank you to the den mother for editing most of those out. <laughs> Hey, I, love I wouldn't you. be here if I didn't interrupt you every there five it is. seconds. There it is. <laughs> um, I love you guys. Uh, until next time, don't drink and drive. Call an Uber. Call a friend. Drink we- responsibly, guys. If you don't have any friends, call Lyft. There you go. We love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Life from the Well, full of service industry stories and cocktail history. If you like our show and want to know more, check out lifefromthewell.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Join us next time for another new cocktail and guest.